This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Ever hear of voices? Hmm? Back in the 30s and 40s, a lot of people were convinced they did indeed hear voices. Well, one in particular, and on the radio. Yes, I'm referring to the shadow, a voice that would suddenly be heard directing or taunting people who are under some form of stress. From September 1937 to October 1938, Orson Welles was the voice of the shadow. Orson, then a 22-year-old, starred as Lamont Cranston, a wealthy young man about town. Wells did not speak the signature line, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. Instead, Frank Reddick Jr. did, using a water glass next to his mouth for the echo effect. In the debut episode, Death House Rescue, Cranston explains he spent years studying in London, Paris, Vienna, Egypt, China, and India, learning different fields of science, as well as the old mysteries that modern science had not yet rediscovered, the natural magic that modern psychology is beginning to understand. He states his hypnotic and seemingly telepathic abilities are not magic, but based on scientific secrets most of the world has forgotten or does not yet understand. He specifies that a yogi priest, keeper of the Temple of Cobras in Delhi, taught him how to be invisible by clouding men's minds. Cranston implies the police and general public wouldn't understand or approve of his strange methods and abilities, concluding he is only effective by working outside the law. After Wells departed the show in 1938, Bill Johnston was chosen to replace him and voice the character for five seasons. And following Johnson's departure, the shadow was portrayed by such actors as Brett Morrison, John Archer, and Stephen Courtley. The actors were rarely credited. And now tonight's episode, Tenor with a Broken Voice. <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> the shadow knows. Lamont Cranston, a man of wealth, 
a student of science and a master of other people's minds, devotes his life to righting wrongs, protecting the innocent, and punishing the guilty. Cranston is known to the underworld as the Shadow. Never seen, only heard. His true identity is known only to his constant friend and aide, Margot Lane. Today's story, The Tenor with the Broken Voice. Oh, this is delightful. I'm so glad we're going to hear Pagliacci. It's my favorite opera. It is beautiful, Margot. You know, they say this young tenor, Hagen Radkoff, is a gorgeous voice. I hear he's marvelous. Mm. He should be magnificent in that closing aria of the first act. Vestia da Juba. tragedy invariably has repercussions. You might like it to throwing a stone in a quiet pond. There's never just one ripple, but a wave of them. But I'm afraid I'm becoming morbid. <laughs> Who's singing the tenor row and play out here tonight? No? Harley Fitz. Oh, yes. He has quite a lovely voice too, hasn't he? This is that same aria that Hagen uh, Radcliffe's voice cracked on last week. Turn up the radio a bit, Oh, 
regret that this brings the broadcast of Pagliacci to a close. What? There's been a tragedy at the opera. A sandbag fell from the ceiling, hitting Harley Fist, the tenor, killing him instantly. <gasps> we now return you to our studios. Oh, Lamont, how ghastly. You see, my dear, as I said, the ripples of the stone falling in the quiet pond starting to spread. Then you think this has a connection with what happened to Radkoff last week? This is no time to think, Margot. I'm going to investigate. Oh, Lamont, can the shadow never rest? Not as long as crime and outrage never rest. <laughs> Commissioner Weston? Yes? There's Clyde Burke of the Classic. Say, Commissioner, what about the death of Harley Fisk at the Opera House last night? Well, what about it? A very regrettable accident. Maybe. But listen, Commissioner, there's a story in here somewhere. Just the week before, Hagen Ratkoff was singing that same song when he lost his voice for a good. Yes, I know that. Well, we figured on running a story on how maybe that song is jinxed. And we wanted a statement from you. You know, they're planning to do the same opera again tomorrow night. Of all the cheap sensationalism... You can't expect me to be a party to such a story. Why not? Good day, Mr. Burke. Commissioner Weston, you sign these orders for the topic of Yes. Uh... Hello. Good morning, Commissioner Weston. Oh, it's you, Shadow. Well, what do you want now? I have some suggestions for you. You know they are doing Pagliacci again tonight. So I've been told. Weston, you must be sure at least two squads of detectives cover every section of the opera house. I'm afraid there'll be trouble again during the singing of the closing aria. No, I won't do that, Shadow. Weston, you're a very foolish man. There's catastrophe in the cards for tonight. You can prevent it if you follow my instructions. Shadow, I don't need you or any other man to tell me how to run this office. Commissioner Weston, didn't your grandmother ever tell you that old saying, there are none so blind as those who will not see? My grandmother did, and again I say it is absolutely imperative that you have a detail guarding the opera tonight. It's absolutely ridiculous, and I'm too busy to discuss it any further. You know, my husband usually goes to sleep every time we come here to the opera house. But tonight, my dear, he's positively sitting on the edge of his chair. Oh, can you blame him? Well, Henry, do you think the tragedies will repeat themselves? Well, I'll know in a few minutes. Curtain just about to go up in the first act. Yes, yes, so I understand. Oh, say, isn't that Commissioner Weston coming in? Hey, George, it is. Well, say, maybe there is something in this after all. Oh, uh, good evening, Commissioner. Good evening. Good evening. You're here to try and stop another tragedy, Commissioner? Absurd. There's nothing to that tragedy nonsense. I'm here solely to listen to the music, and I wouldn't have even done that if my wife hadn't insisted. Did you hear what he said? Well, I guess there's nothing to it, then. We could have stayed home and played bridge, too. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it'll happen Oh, my God. 
makes a false step now, he'll be playing right into the hands of his enemy. And remember, every time you drive in the rain on worn, smooth tires, you may be playing into the hands of a dangerous skid. Who knows what may happen? The shadow knows. Beware. Thousands killed or injured. Cars wrecked. That's the price American motorists pay every year when tires lose their grip and skid on wet, slippery pavements. Yes, motorists. Don't risk that sickening pit-of-the-stomach feeling that comes when your car suddenly swerves out of control. For remember, this new Goodrich Silvertown is the only tire with the lifesaver tread. The amazing skid protection that will stop you quicker, safer in a wet road emergency than you've ever stopped before. The nation's largest independent testing laboratory proved this by testing this new Silvertown against both regular and premium price tires of the five other leading tire manufacturers. The engineers of the impartial Pittsburgh Testing Laboratory found that no tire tested, regardless of price, came up to the Goodrich Silvertowns in skid resistance. And when you know that Silvertowns also give you the famous Golden Ply blowout protection, is it any wonder that it's called the safest thing on wheels? Put Goodrich Safety Silvertowns on your car now and play safe. Gentlemen, we have called this meeting of the board of directors of the opera company because we feel that there now exists a crisis and we directors must come to an immediate decision. You're all aware, you're all aware of the regrettable events of the past week. Gentlemen, we must decide whether or not to suspend opera for the balance of the season. I call on Commissioner Weston, who has kindly consented to come here this evening and advise me. Commissioner Weston. Well, gentlemen, I'm placed in an awkward position. 
I realize that to close the opera house for the balance of the season will mean that a number of people will lose their jobs. Not only the stars, but many who can ill afford it. Stagehands, ushers, porters, extras, and many others who are necessary to an institution of this size. But, gentlemen, the question is, dare you continue? That is indeed the question, Commissioner. Gentlemen, Mr. Hagen Radkoff has also considered to appear before us this evening and give his opinion. Uh, Mr. Radkoff. Gentlemen, my heart is very sad. Not only because I lose my beautiful voice, but also these tragedies that happen when the opera Pagliaccia is sung. But I do not think you have to close the opera house. It is only Pagliacci that must close. Because if Pagliacci is never given again, these terrible accidents will finish. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Why couldn't we just eliminate Pagliacci? Because, gentlemen, these tragic events are not accidents. Who said that? I know that voice. The shadow is here. The shadow? Here? Yes, gentlemen. Here in the shadows. Shadow? What do you know about these tragedies in the opera? Enough, Commissioner Weston, to realize the person who started this reign of terror will never stop until he is brought to justice. You would be content for a time if you discontinued Pagliacci. But the burning, blistering hate that motivates him would force him to strike again and again. Look here, Shadow. If you have any information, you're obstructing justice in not turning it over to me. At present, Commissioner, I have only a theory. But I will solve these tragedies for you within the next 48 hours. Commissioner Weston, I do not agree with the Shadow. I believe Pagliacci is cursed. And that it is only that area that will bring tragedy. Mr. Radkoff, although many times I don't agree with the shadow, I must admit he has helped me solve many tough cases. Thank you, Commissioner Weston. I will trap this killer for you if you'll do exactly as I say. Tomorrow night you must once again give the opera Pagliacci. Gentlemen, have there not been tragedies enough? Shadow, what do you intend to do if Pagliacci is sung again? I cannot tell you my plans, Commissioner, but you must trust me. Remember... The shadow has never failed you yet. Well, gentlemen, though I hesitate to advise you to do this, nevertheless, in my opinion, this is a case for the shadow. Thank you again, Commissioner. But, Shadow, if there are any tricks... There will be none. Gentlemen, will you do as I ask? Will you give Pagliacci again a week from tonight? If you do so, arrange to keep Box 7 vacant. For Box 7 will be occupied by the shadow... We, uh, we had best take a vote. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? No, no, never! I beg your pardon, Mr. Radkoff. You have no vote. Only the directors are entitled to vote. But you cannot do this. Pagliacci is cursed. It started by breaking my voice. Death will follow it every time. Mr. Radkoff, we know how you you feel. Understand Uh, the strain you're under as a result of the recent events. But uh, try to calm yourself, sir. I'm sorry, gentlemen. I'm sorry. Uh, Will one of you gentlemen assist uh, Mr. Radkoff to his home, please? Yes, I'll be glad to. Calling Margot Lane. Calling Margot Lane. We have important work to be done tonight. Meet me in front of the opera house at 12.30. That is all. Good evening, Mike. Kind of nice tonight. Ah, uh, it is that. Sure hate to go inside and make me round. Well, Mike, aren't you a little scared having to guard the opera house at night after all them killings? Sure, I've been night watchman here at the opera house for going on eight years now. I ain't going to start trembling at this late day. Well, I guess you're safe as long as you don't start singing that uh, mystery song. Ah, never better fear that. The wearing of the green is the only tune I ever sing. <laughs> well, good night, my lad. 
and let's make another inspection tour of the upper house. Have a change for service. This year, upper house is the darkest spot in the world. Who's that? I see you over there. Oh, I I didn't know it was you, sir. Come here a minute, Mike. I want to show you something. Yes, sir, I was... Oh, oh don't do that, sir. Not to me. Oh, the knife, sir. I... No one will stand in my path. Now I will complete my work in box seven. So, the electric cord runs from the asbestos curtain. And I connect it here to the powder. Tomorrow, let the shadow call for them to lower the asbestos curtain, and his own words will seal his doom. He will blow the opera house to pieces. Well, Marco, the opera house isn't quite so glittering at this hour. Oh, so dark, it almost seems haunted. It's haunted in a sense, Margo. Haunted perhaps by the ghost of the immortal Caruso come to sing at last duet with his great friend Shalyapi. Come on, look over there. The body on the floor. The night watchman has been stabbed. Killer struck again. Lamont, when will this end? If my plans work, tomorrow we'll see this atrocious murderer brought to justice. Why? Why did he kill the watchman? Probably the watchman discovered him before we arrived, but you'd better go home now. I'll send for an ambulance. Oh, Lamont, please be careful. Don't worry, Margot. The killer will not return tonight. He'll be here for tomorrow's opera. I have a ticket for you in box six. I will be in box seven. In the shadows. Commissioner Weston. Well, Shadow, you don't seem to be able to do much about this opera killer. Thanks to my trust in you, the night watchman was almost killed last night. If someone hadn't given him first aid before the ambulance arrived, he'd surely have died. As it is, he'll only be... Well, he'll be unconscious for three days. Weston, I gave that watchman the necessary treatment that saved his life. And I will unmask the killer tonight's performance of Pagliacci. There isn't going to be any performance of Pagliacci tonight. I'm going to force them to cancel it and close the opera house for the balance of the season. Weston, you can't do that. You'll only turn this atrocious killer into other channels. It's at the breaking point now. Unless he is captured, he will soon terrorize every place of entertainment. The whole entertainment world. You must do as I say. I will see that no harm comes to anyone at tonight's performance. But only if you follow my instructions. Well, I'm a fool to trust you, Shadow. What do you want me to do? Arrange to have everyone connected with the opera company present at tonight's concert. All singers. Even the members of the board. You personally assign their seats to them and station a plain clothes man on each side of every one of them. Well, all right, Shadow, I'll do it. But this is your last chance. Unless I underestimate this murderous madman, it is indeed my last chance, Commissioner. Goodbye. I didn't expect to find you here, Cosmiachi. Aren't you terrified? No. I think the whole thing was only a series of unfortunate coincidences. After all, if there were any danger, they would hardly repeat the opera tonight. I heard a rumor that they were doing it at the request of the shadow. He guaranteed to catch the murderer tonight. Oh, isn't it thrilling? I can hardly wait until the fatal aria is sung. Is, uh... Everything all set, Cardona? Everyone connected with the opera company is present and accounted for, Commissioner. I got two men detailed, each one of them. Don't seem to be no trouble so far. No. 
But the trouble never started until the closing out of the first act. Be on your toes. Yes, sir. Curtain going up. Curtain going up, ladies and gentlemen. This is the fatal area now. the gunpowder in that box. He is the guilty one. Very clever, Radkoff. But how did you know there was gunpowder? I said there was dynamite. Radkoff, you were the killer who has been terrorizing the opera house. That's a lie, a lie. You were also one of the few who knew that the shadow would be in box seven. Radkoff, you are guilty. <laughs> yes, yes, I did it. I did it. I lost my voice in this opera. And with it, my chance to be the greatest to ever sing Pagliacci. But I swore then I would be the last that nobody else would sing it. I would have been too if it weren't for you. Curse you, Shadow! Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last of the opera murders. The stone has sunk at last to the bottom of the pond and the ripples are ended. The curse of this opera and the dangers attached to the performance have been removed. The people of this city may again enjoy the beauty of the music drama without fear of death. to a dramatized version of one of the many copyrighted stories which appear in the Shadow Magazine, now on sale at your local newsstand. <laughs> the weed of crime bears bitterly.
bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. All the characters and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Stay tuned for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis and a show heard at the height of their career in 1949. And apparently, in this episode, the boys are having money problems. Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from Hollywood, the Martin and Lewis Show, featuring Flo McMichael, Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Here in Hollywood, when the first of the month rolls around, you'll find a lot of actors frantic about their bills, but not Dean and Jerry. They're frantic the rest of the month, too. As we join them in their apartment, Dean's trying to figure out where the money goes. You don't got it, then it's true. Awful, awful, awful what no money can do. Jer. Hey, Jer. Here I am, Dean. I was in a bathroom cutting my chin. <laughs> cutting your chin? Yeah. A little bit each day. And some morning I'll walk out of there and you'll say, well, if it isn't Cary Grant. <laughs> Jerry, now, please, no jokes. I'm really worried about something. I've been going over our bank accounts, and our deposits are way down. As a matter of fact, the bank called about our balance. Yeah? Well, don't let them scare you. We put in last month, let them put in this month. (laughs) Jerry, you know it doesn't work that way. We've been making good money, but we're spending it too fast. You've been playing the horses quite a bit. What else have you been doing with your money? Well, I bought an electric train to play with in my bedroom, but I got rid of it. Why? All night long, little people kept coming in for reservations. <laughs> well, Jerry, we've got to figure out a way to hang on to the money that we have left. Don't bother me about money. Money means nothing to me. Even if I don't have a penny to my name, I'm happy. I'm sorry I interrupted, but I just wondered which of us dropped that nickel on the floor over there. Find his keepers, Dean. Someone at the door, Jerry. Yeah, look, whoever it is, let's not tell him we were fighting over a nickel. Yeah, that would make us look too cheap. Come in. It's hard to tell through a keyhole, but I think your nickel rolled under the radiator. (laughs) Soapy, what are you doing? Listening to keyholes again? Now, wait, my boy, I am not a keyhole listener. I am a peephole (laughs) peekathrower. Hey, look, I overheard you talking, and just as I have long suspected, you fellas are very careless with your money, and what you need is good, solid investments. 
Now, I have got an idea that should make you independently poor. I, uh, I mean rich. Please, Sophie, we don't want to get into any money deals with you. Now, look, look, if you guys want to invest your money wisely, I have got numerous ideas that I have been working on. Give me a for instance. For instance. Well, I have got a half interest in a dress factory that manufactures frontless evening gowns. Frontless evening gowns? Uh-huh, yeah. They are for the women who only look good from the back. <laughs> and if you don't like that, I got another angle. Now, right now, I am buying a saloon. Gradually. <laughs> One drink at a time. But, Sophie, you, you shouldn't drink on a job. Well, I know that, but I am not on the job. Well, why not? Because I'm drinking. <laughs> now, if you ain't interested in getting into the beverage business, I have got something else. I happen to have... Beverage business. <laughs> yes, besides that, what I have got is an insurance company. An insurance company? Yeah, sure. You have uh, no doubt heard of Lloyd's of London. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, they insure people against my company. <laughs> Oh, it's no use, Sophie. We can't take a chance. Especially with you. You always try to swindle me, and, and, and you really shouldn't do that to a man who has a wife and five kids to support. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. You have a wife and five kids? Not yet, but yesterday a blonde winked at me. <laughs> Listen, fellas, I really got your interest at heart, and I have one more bona fide proposition. How would you like to buy a professional football team, huh? Well, that's not too bad. A, a pro team. Yeah. Do you like athletes? Oh, sure. I admire athletes, especially girl swimmers. <laughs> I used to watch them swim every evening when I lived at the YWCA. Jerry, how did you get into the YWCA? I lied about my age. <laughs> you know, a lot of the stars have got teams. Now, hope for instance, he owns part of the Cleveland Indians and this Crosby, he's got the Pittsburgh Pirates and Don Amici, he invested in the Los Angeles Dance. Gee, I don't know, Sophie. Is the team you want to sell us any good? Good, he says. <laughs> good. Why, we got guys like, like this Killer Thomas, we got Strangler Lutz, we got Butcher Maroney. I got the whole team except just two guys. Uh, where are they? They ain't been paroled yet. <laughs> guys on a football team who steal and go around picking pockets? Well, you don't have to pay him much salary. Between halves, you, you just turn them loose in the stands. <laughs> well, how much money will we have to put into it, so? I'll tell you what I'll do. Just for you, I will cut the price to uh, $5,000. Well, you know what they always say, a fool and his money are soon parted. Yeah, but this is taking longer than usual. <laughs> Well, what do you say, Dean? Shall we buy the team? Well, we don't have $5,000. Don't worry, I'll get it. I'll ask my mother for it. She got it? No. <laughs> well, what's the good of asking her? Well, she'd ask Uncle Louie, and Uncle Louie will ask <coughs> Cousin Sarah, and Cousin Sarah will ask Aunt Minnie, and Aunt Minnie will ask Uncle Herbie, and Uncle Herbie will ask my brother-in-law, Sam. Oh, Sam got it? <laughs> no, but haven't I got a big family? <laughs> <laughs> Well, how about it? You're going to be able to get the money? Say, how about borrowing it from a finance company? Gee, I don't know. Borrowing money's a bad habit to get into. What are you talking about, bad habit? Just look at the Marshall Plan. 
Why, the government loans money to other countries so they can buy things from us. And when they buy the things from us, it, it keeps our factories going. And when the factories are going, and the, the people are working, and they're making money to, to buy food and clothing, and the whole nation is prosperous. Dean, he's right. It's our patriotic duty to borrow the money and save the United States. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. Let's go. Wait a minute, Dean. First thing is song. I want to hear your sweet voice just once more before we go into debt. <laughs> She's sweet, see her coming down the street. Now I ask you very confidentially, ain't she sweet? Ain't she nice? Look her over once or twice. Now I ask you very confidentially, mm, ain't she nice? Just cast an eye in her direction. Oh, me, oh, my, ain't that perfection? Well, I kind of repeat, don't you think that's kind of neat? And ask you very confidentially, ain't she sweet? Just cast an eye in her direction. Oh, me, oh, my, ain't that perfection? Well, I repeat, don't you think she's so kind of neat? And I ask you very confidentially, ain't she sweet? This is a fine neighborhood for a finance company to be in. This is the toughest neighborhood I've ever seen. I'll say it is. Hey, Dean, Dean, look at that cat. Cauliflower ears. <laughs> yeah, probably wrestles a lot. Well, you sure Fibber McGee and Molly started like this? Well, what do you say, Jerry? Let's get this over with. Let's go into the finance company and uh, see if we can borrow the money. Oh, we'll be able to borrow the money, all right. I got a joke to get the man in a good humor. He'll love it. It's a Bob Hope joke about a finance company. Come on, let's go in. Good morning, gentlemen. What can I do for you? Well, we're Dean Martin and... Uh... I'm Jerry Lewis. Say, I got a swell joke about a finance company. You see, a guy comes in to borrow some money, and a finance company guy says, sure, he'll lend him the money. And a guy said, it doesn't matter when I pay it back, does it? And a finance company man says, no. Just as soon as you pay it back, we let your mother out of the dungeon. <laughs> let your mother out of the dungeon. Isn't that a funny joke, mister? That reminds me, we've simply got to do something about Bob Hope's mother. <laughs> Now, what can we do for you, gentlemen? Well, we're buying a football team and we'd like to borrow some money. Well, if you want money, you have to put up some kind of security. 
Now, about this football team you have. Oh, it's a great team, mister. They haven't lost a game this season. Of course, next Saturday, they're playing Sophie Tucker. <laughs> playing Sophie Tucker. <laughs> this is the toughest finance company I've ever played. Gentlemen, we'll lend you the money. Oh, that's wonderful. But on one condition only. Oh, no, you don't. You can't have my mother. You just can't have my mother. She's done too much for me. She's been so good to me. No, 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 you can't have my mother. <laughs> you can have Dad if you like. He's an old bear. <laughs> have you quite finished? <laughs> now, we don't want anything of the kind for security, but we have to find out just how safe an investment this is. Now, did either of you ever play football? Oh, sure. Northwestern, Minnesota, Notre Dame, and Vassar. Vassar is a girls' college. How could you have played on their team? Oh, I don't know. Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> and you, young man, how about you? Any football experience? Well, I, I come from a football family. I've even got a rich grandfather who plays football. A grandfather playing football? Yeah, the whole family can hardly wait for him to kick off. <laughs> I tell you what, gentlemen, I'm a great sports lover myself, so I'll take a chance. I'll loan you the money for the team. Gee, that's swell. Providing, <laughs> providing you play on the team yourself. Oh, I think that would be very nice. Are you for real? <laughs> Look, gentlemen, we've decided to loan you the money. You're Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, and you have name value. That's my proposition. You've got to play on the team if you want to get the loan. Well, I guess we have to do it. Okay, let's sign the papers. Would you like us to sign in blood? Sign in blood? I won't do it. It clogs my pen. <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. Let's go. Just be sure when that day. You know, maybe this isn't such a bad idea at all, us playing football. I used to play on the Steubenville High School 9. Look, what'd you do back in high school? High school? What's that? Well, I'll try again. What did you play back in grammar school? Grammar school? What's that? I'll try once more. What did you play in kindergarten? Kissing games. <laughs> That's why I got kicked out. I kissed the teacher. You got kicked out for kissing the teacher? Yeah. I'll never forget Mr. Schwartz. <laughs> well, whether you like it or not, you're going to play football with our team. And we're going right into the gymnasium here and get you into shape. What can I do for you? <laughs> Why, it's Deanie Boy. It's Bessie Bellringer from your hometown. But why did you take a job in this gymnasium, Bessie? Oh, the job isn't important, Deanie. I just want to be around so I can see you now and then. But, Bessie, what's the use? You're a nice kid. But you're not Dean's type of girl. Well, there's no difference. All women are sisters under the skin. And why don't you get back under the skin and send your sister out? <laughs> well, come on, Jerry. Let's go on into the gymnasium. If we're going to play football, we better get into shape. Yeah, we better get ready to win a first game without a libel or cancel alone. Oh, you poor boys. Are you having trouble with money? No, we're having trouble without it. <laughs> oh, Deanie, I wouldn't want you to be broke. Here, my life savings. Oh, thanks a lot, Bessie. But uh, we can't take your money. I'd feel like a cad. Dean, let me take it. I'll cad for a while. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. Bessie, I won't forget this. Come on, Jerry. Okay, Jerry. Now, the first thing you do in a gymnasium is take off your clothes. Very well. I shall take off my clothes. <laughs> Jerry, stop throwing bumps. You'll hit somebody. <laughs> now, let's see if we can build you up. You know, football's a tough sport. You won't believe it, Dean, but I used to be a little skinny weakling. Then one night, I met Charles Atlas at the Palladium. What happened? We danced. Come on, Jerry, no more jokes. If you're not in shape to play football, we'll be dead ducks. Come on. Now, here. Here's a medicine ball. A medicine ball? What's in it? Aspirin? No, now, you throw the ball against my stomach, then I'll throw the ball against your stomach. Okay? You throw the medicine ball against my stomach, and I throw it against your stomach. That's a good idea. You're such a hopeless physical specimen. Let's try one thing. Something that'll build you up. I got it. Give me a pack of camels. Camels? Sure, every athlete smokes them. I could be an All-American. All you need is camels and Wheaties. Of course, I've never smoked Wheaties, but... Oh, Jerry. Jerry. Here, just skip rope. It'll help your wind. What are you going to do? I'm going to give my tonsils a workout. Ladies and gentlemen, Dean Martin will now show his strength by lifting Bing Crosby's voice. Sing, Bing. <laughs> Younger than springtime Are you softer than starlight? Are you warmer than winds of June? Are the gentle lips you gave me gayer than laughter? Are you sweeter than music? Are you? Angel and lover, heaven and earth are you to me and when you're you and joy in Springtime 
Getting ready for a big football game Well, it was Soapy's idea He said it was a way to protect our money It's too late to back out anyway Here, get into your football uniform Jerry, what kind of football jerseys are these? Aren't they pretty? I picked the colors Red jerseys with a yellow streak down the back <laughs> Yellow streak down the back? Sure, it'll make the other team overconfident <laughs> Jerry, do you realize if we lose this game We won't get any customers? Then we won't be able to pay the loan back Oh, we won't lose, Dean. You'll lose if you want to be healthy, chum. <laughs> Who are you? The syndicate sent me over. We're betting $10,000 that you'll lose. How do you know we're going to lose? <laughs> we're fixing you. I don't need fixing. I'm not broken. <laughs> I tell jokes I kill people So do I <laughs> Tell me What happens if we win? I won't say exactly But how would you boys Like to end up In a block of cement? Oh, isn't that wonderful, Dean? This must be Sid Grammer The Chinese did it <laughs> Yeah, that's right We put your footprints In cement only you can't see him because the cement around your neck keeps you from bending over. Look, mister, I don't want to get nasty, but there's an old saying that covers this. What's the old saying? How should I know? I'm very young. You're just full of bright sayings, ain't you? Oh, sure. I make them up in my own head. That's right, and you wouldn't think there was room in there. <laughs> room in my head. Isn't that silly? <laughs> What's that? Hey, how did I get inside my head? Let me out, let me out. I tell you, you better let me out or I'll kick my face down. He <laughs> is dark in my head. If I only had a light, I could read my mind. <laughs> room to walk around. Gee, there's sure a draft coming in my ears. Oh, oh, I see a little bit of light. That must be where I cut myself shaving. Oh, gosh, there's Ava Gardner and Betty Grable. If my mind is working right, they'll be on their way to the showers. Jerry! No need to call me, Dean. I'm not coming out of my head. Jerry, stop acting silly. You're not in your head. Then why is it so dark? Very logical reason. You've got your head in your pocket. <laughs> oh, how insanely stupid of me. Look, boys. Boys, 
The rest of the team's coming in, so I'm scramming, see? Now remember, lose the game or else. Dean, why did we ever start with this professional team? We don't dare win and we don't dare lose. We're in a dilemma. What's worse, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> don't say anything more. Here comes the team. I'm going to give them a fight talk so we can go out and beat the Redondo Ripper. All right, hold it down there. Quiet, quiet. Hold it down. Hold it down there. Now, Alex. Alex, you got to win this game. I want to see you get out there and give them the old one, two. And watch out when they come back with the new three, four. <laughs> I don't want anybody to know about Adam, Adam, Adam. Oh, Jerry, stop, will you? Even though I'm no Adam, Adam, Adam. Oh, Come on, stop and give them a real good pep talk. If they show my wife and kids out in the street. <laughs> it's not because you lost the game. It's because I'm not married. <laughs> Remember, some fellas fight for their dear old Elmer Mater. Some fellas fight for their girls. You fellas are fighting for something that's nearer and dearer. Money. That's the spirit. Now, come on, Jerry. Look, Jerry. There comes Soapy up the ramp. Hey, fellas. Hey, fellas. Soapy, you sure got us in the jam. We got to win to get our money, and if we lose, there's a guy who wants to cement relations with us. <laughs> Well, never mind him. You gotta win. I went out and I sold each of your players to a different sponsor. <laughs> a different sponsor for every player, but yeah. Soapy, the Redondo Rippers are tough. How are we gonna stop them? Well, I took care of that. I went to their locker room and I sprinkled a little repartee perfume all over the other team. See? What'd the perfume do? Well, when you tackle them, they smell so nice, you won't want to let go. <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. Let's get out onto the field. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Martin and Lewis Mongrels are all lined up now for the kickoff. We're just about ready to go. There goes the kickoff. It's a beautiful kick. A long, high spiral. The ball is just lit up and a neon sign on it reads, Don't be a schmo, see Tokyo Joe. <laughs> the ball is now received by Jerry Lewis. He's breaking through, and we have a man running alongside Lewis with a microphone. We're going to take you right down there on the field. Okay, take it, Sam. Thanks, Harv. I'm jogging down the field alongside this great halfback, Lewis. He's making one of the most sensational runs of the year. Pardon me, Lewis. To what do you owe your success as a runner? I owe it all to Mother Schoenfeld's meatballs. <laughs> Pardon me while I step on this fella. What a runner this Lewis is. We're up to the 10-yard line. In a second, the score will be... Wait a minute, Lewis has fallen down just two yards short of the goal. Yeah, how come you fell down? <laughs> Man, somebody in the stands hit me with a Mammy Schoenfeld meatball. <laughs> Friends, this has been some game. There's just 20 seconds left to play. The score is 7-6 to six in favor of the Redondo Rippers. But this is the Mongrels' big chance. They have the ball in the one-half-inch line. Jerry, there's just 10 seconds to play. We better score. But, Dean, if we win, that gangster will kill us, and I'm scared. 
I haven't had any experience being dead. Uh, hey, you guys, we got a half inch to go now. Now, Lewis, you took two cracks at the line. How come you can't go half an inch? Well, you see, I haven't been too well. from center. It's to Lewis. He's not moving, though. He turns. He smiles at the television camera. <laughs> Milton Burrow steps in front of him. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Lewis's team has picked him up on their shoulders and they're carrying him across the goal line. There's the gun. There's the gun. There's the gun. You played a great game You don't have to worry About the loan now Ah, it was nothing at all It was like taking candy From a baby What are those guys? Let me see those guys Here comes baby For his candy <laughs> Now look, mister Don't wave that gun around Shut up You just lost $10,000 for us I'm gonna put a hole in you For every dollar I'll be right back, Dean Jerry, where are you going? Out to get 10,000 corks <laughs> Oh, no, you're not you're going for a ride. But it's such a nice day. Let's walk. <laughs> all everything, all the sponsors paid off, kids. Here is your 10,000 bucks. Oh, darn it. I never get a chance to shoot anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, Soapy, we're giving up this football team. We're going into another business. Yeah, we got a tip on where to buy a carload of ice. Ice? What can you do with a carload of ice? Melt it up. It makes swell water. <laughs> Good night, folks. See you later, everyone. The Martin Lewis Show, transcribed in Hollywood, is produced by Robert L. Redd and written by Charlie Isaacs and Jack Douglas. Music is arranged and conducted by Dick Stabile. Martin Lewis currently may be seen in the Hal Wallace picture, My Friend Irma. This is Ben Alexander saying goodnight for the Martin and Lewis Show. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's X-1, followed by The Fred Allen Show. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.